0: Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the breaking down a human body into itty-bitty parts and things eating it edition. (laughs) Today is episode 127, human composting, Mm -hmm. and how much dead skin is inhaled in a lifetime. That's right, you heard me. My friends, today is going to be equal parts uncomfortable, morbid, strange, and profound, and I wouldn't have it any other way. In the first half of the show, let's talk about your dead body or anyone's dead body in the Western world, uh, like in the States where I am, you've basically got two options after you die. There's a box or a cremation. Well, some folks found a happy medium, if you will, where your limbs, teeth, and all bits in between can be broken down to help things grow. I'm talking plants, trees, mushrooms, forests, tomatoes. It's literally a brand new idea that's just starting to gain traction. It's legal in six states as of today, uh, which is February 19th, 2023, and uh, the time of this recording anyway, and the method has caught my eye. I'm talking about human composting. We're going to talk about how it works, and my friends, it's surprisingly gorgeous, from the facility to the end result, where you basically turn into a sack (laughs) of nutritious soil. Just stick with me here. To stick with me then after the break we're continuing our culinary culinary journey with everyone's new favorite segment say it with me now let's read from a book motherfucker well done uh, we're cracking open the ever so amazing what if volume two by randall monroe and boy howdy <laughs> we've covered some random ass topics from this literature but this one takes the odd cannibalistic cake Okay. Greg from Cape Town, South Africa, submitted the question, quote, if house dust comprises up to 80% dead skin, how many people worth of skin does a person consume slash inhale in a lifetime? This is on page 220. Well, first, what the fuck, Greg? Uh, Someone please keep an eye on Greg in South Africa. And second... Dust is not mostly made of dead human skin, but it's certainly in there for sure, and we are going to answer this question. God help us. (laughs) Randall actually did the realistic math and even created an extreme hypothetical where a room is smothered in cells, and we are going to find out the maximum number of people you can inhale. I know, fun, right? That's this show. Now, Before we chomp into that, however, I'm Jill Chacha (laughs) and and if this is your first time listening, Jesus Christ, welcome to the flock, business goose. Strap in or lie down, you'll see a theme in a minute. Uh, We need to begin the first half of this show by heading on over to Seattle's Sodo neighborhood. Now, if you're from a major city like me, i just had to see what the hell soto that acronym stood for it's fucking amazing what realtors come up with um, it looks like the name is short for south of downtown and if soto reminds you of soho you're right from our punk rock friend the wiki quote soto deliberately echoes soho in new york city where during the 1970s cheap spaces vacated by departing factories were converted by artists into lofts and studios Soto has undergone a similar process, but not has experienced much of the gentrification experienced by its putative model. Some of Soto's warehouse buildings remain in their original use. Others have been carved up for artists' lofts, art galleries, and an assortment of other businesses. As one travels further along First Avenue South, these these conversions peter out, and light manufacturing, warehouses, and warehouse-style retail stores predominate. End quote. Ah, yes, my friends, it is is within one of these warehouse-style buildings a life-after-death revolution has occurred. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Back in the year, back in the year, I can no longer comprehend, 2011, I know, 2011, whatever, Katrina Spade was enjoying the summer sunshine with her son, playing in their backyard, and watching her toddler do all the toddler things. During all this, she had a thought that would cross all of her minds. She thought, this kid is going to die someday. I'm going to die someday. (laughs) Quote, someday he'll be 40, I thought. And oh, wow, I'll be over 70 then. That realization inspired me to start thinking about my mortality. End quote from her company's website. Now, Katrina's relatable midlife crisis sent her down a rabbit hole, which examined the options of burial, cremation, and also considered the environmental impact of those two options. My friends, it turns out, even in death, we can fuck things up. (laughs) From Rachel Funnell of IFL Science, quote, America is estimated to contain around 1 million acres of land currently dedicated to human burial. A significant chunk of that land has been stripped of its natural plant and wildlife composition. On top of this, the production of caskets sees around 4 million acres of uh, forest lost each year, the loss of which is likely worse when the planks needed to facilitate burials are taken into account. Embalming also commits around 800,000 gallons of fluid to the ground, which can leach into the soil as a contaminant." End quote. Well, this did not sit well with Katrina and it stuck with her throughout 2011 into 2012 when she found herself as a second-year architecture grad student over at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. Now get this. One fine day in the fall of 2012, Katrina's childhood friend, Kate Stevenson, called her, and in perfect member-of-the-flock fashion, Kate straight-up asked, quote, did you know farmers have been composting dead animals for decades? End quote. My friends, it was this random conversation that led to Katrina's Eureka moment. Her background in design, her midlife crisis, if you will, and her concern for the kind of place she'd leave behind for her son, all of this collided. Quote The conversation sparked a question for Katrina What if you can do that for humans? During her second year of grad school, Katrina built a compost heating system with friends, Garth and Jesse. What a day. <laughs> um, Continuing the quote, demonstrating the incredible power of microbes in what would be considered a prototype of a prototype. End quote from the company website, which I'm I'm going to name in a bit, and we're going to get into those microbes too. Just just hold tight. Uh, We are going to fast forward because, my friends, this is a very very long long story that I'm going to shorten. It's a story that involves much trial and error, as you can imagine a multitude of collaborations with experts in soil science, engineering, and project management, a collaboration with a Western Carolina University professor named Cheryl Johnston from the Department of Forensic Anthropology, and the Forensic Ostenology Research Station itself, who provided the first cadaver to test this composting idea. That party, by the way, took place in 2015, four years after that backyard playdate, Afterwards, there was a Kickstarter campaign to raise money for more design and research because that cadaver experiment, it was a success. More work here. It's not done. Fast forward to 2017, 2018, when the prototypes had been honed to an actual product and process, when the idea became a company called Recompose. Recompose. Now, if that sounds like a play on decompose, you're right from their site, quote, Recompose is a licensed green funeral home offering human composting to transform your loved one's body into soil. Now, I bet you have a fuck ton of questions. (laughs) Like, how? How in the hell? How in the hell does a body full of teeth, bones, butts, and all of that turn into safe, usable soil? This is like reduced reuse and recycle at like the ultimate level. Well, I'm glad you fucking asked let's get into it. All right? It's imagination time. And first, we need a body. You can do it. Just imagine a body. It could be yours. It could be someone you know. I'll give you a second. Awesome. Well done. Great choice. Now, according to the site, recompose.life, this body enters phase one by lying on a gurney. Do you see it? All right. But... Big ass butt here. This gurney isn't in a cold morgue or a stuffy carpeted funeral home. I'm telling you, this place looks like a spa. Please, just stop everything you're doing and come on by our social media stuffs and take a peek at this site. Uh, you'll see the gurney in a room filled with natural colors, wooden floors, soft, natural light. There's some plants uh, and white walls. White walls dotted with circular doors. Now, we're going to get into those walls in a minute, literally. But first, the gurney, where a body is wrapped in cloth filled with wood chips, alfalfa, and straw. Quote, microbes that naturally occur on the plant material and on and in our bodies power the transformation into soil. Over the next 30 days, everything inside the vessel breaks down thanks to natural decomposition. End quote. That's right, my friends, the vessel or stage two. Remember those white walls I was just talking about? Well, imagine a bright white wall divided into a honeycomb like pattern. There's 54 combs or pods, and that, and this is where the human Amazon package slips into, basically. <laughs> so come on by, take a look. Um, yeah, they look like those individual sleeping pods in Japan. I hope you know what I mean. If not, please come on by our Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You would have a delightful fucking nap in these things. Anyway, it's in these vessels a body breaks down in just 30 days into what's described as nutrient-rich soil, and that's stage three. Stage four and five, the last, quote, the soil is then removed from the vessel, screened for non-organic items such as hip implants, tested for soil and, uh, sorry, tested for safety and allowed to dry and cure for an additional two to four weeks. Very hipster. Uh, Once the soil is completed, (laughs) once the soil is complete after six to eight weeks, families can either take it home for use on trees and plants or donate it to conservation efforts. Each body creates one cubic yard of soil amendment. End quote. Now, for my fellow numerically challenged Americans, one cubic yard is the equivalent to a space measuring three feet wide by three feet long by three feet deep. I had to look it up. Don't worry. You're not alone. And that's a lot of shit. That's a lot of soil. If you have a full-ass garden or even a tomato plant or some herbs on your windowsill, your loved one can definitely feed them for a good while. And then you could eat whatever they grow. Or, I, I get it, if eating zucchini powered by dear old dead dad isn't exactly your cup of tea, you can help out a, a forest, for example. Recompose offers the chance to donate some soil to a place called Bells Mountain, a 700 acre protected forest in southern Washington state, so dad can be a part of that huge life cycle there. Now, hold on, I know, you're a murderino. I'm a murderino. And I bet you're like, wait up, this is too easy. Bones and teeth, that shit sticks around for centuries. How can that become soil in 30 fucking days? Well, this part takes a little teamwork between live humans and microbes to make the dream work. Quote, by controlling the ratio of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and moisture, human composting creates the perfect environment for microbes and beneficial bacteria to thrive. Recompose staff rotate each recomposed vessel at several points during the process to ensure thorough aeration and decomposition, which helps to break up any remaining bone fragments and teeth. Recompose staff also screen for non-organics such as implants, yay, boobs, which are recycled whenever possible. <laughs> sorry, and at the end, <laughs> sorry. I'm a professional. At the end of the composting process, fragments remaining that are larger than one centimeter are processed using the same equipment that is used to process bone in conventional cremation. Soil is tested for safety and screened before it is returned to families or the environment, end quote, from the site. So that safety screening is for pathogens and heavy metals, by the way. No one wants zucchini filled with lead. Uh, Anyway, the environment. Remember that thing? Yeah, I know, it's always in the back of your mind. Well, the effects of burial were one of the things on Katrina's mind. So we have to ask, does this composting make a difference? Drum roll, please. A little bit, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Recompose team member, Anna Swenson told IFL Science in an email, quote, we now have 550 pre-composed members or people waiting for the service each of whom will save one metric ton of CO2 from entering the environment compared to conventional burial or cremation. According to an EPA calculator, 550 metric tons of CO2 is the equivalent of powering 63 homes or driving over a million miles. End quote. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, I have to say. If your last deed is helping offset rich people moving their private fucking jets from one airport to another that's got to count for something. So I'm into this. I am really, really into this idea. And so are six states so far. Uh, human composting is legal in Washington, New York, California, Colorado, Oregon, and Vermont. And Recompose, the company is continuing its legal journey state by state. And you know what? I say God fucking speed to them. And if you, if you, if you, Mm-hmm. And if you are on the fence about what to do with your dead body, or you just don't know, you just don't know if you're into burial or cremation or composting, hey, look, there's always sky burials. Google it if you don't know. <laughs> After the break, let's all take a deep breath. Now, let's enter the question, how many people did I just inhale? Let's give it a go. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.
1: purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply hey there i'm dylan lewis one of the hosts of motley fool money each weekday on motley full money we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on wall street on weekends we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts authors and executives that understand them tune in for insights a long-term perspective on investing and of course stock ideas plenty of them To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Hey, everyone. Jill Chacha here from Well, That's Interesting. And I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it. I love it. And it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Goodpods, the other ones. (laughs) You get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. 20th
1: Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming, only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon.
0: Shots, 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 now streaming. Just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With
1: more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu.
0: And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, wherever you are right now listening to this amazing podcast, please rate and subscribe and tell your friends about it. Whether you're in a car, a subway, bus, bathroom or bedroom, first, I can see you. And two, there's dust. There's just dust everywhere, fucking everywhere. And here's the thing, when you break down what it is really, it'll blow your fucking mind. Now, before we get into the whole accidental cannibal question submitted to Randall, we need to first figure out what the fuck is dust anyway? Well, good news, It's not mostly people, and it's way, way, way more complex than that. And even better news, I found a calming, yet surprisingly profound YouTube video to help explain it all. It's aptly called What Is Dust Made Of? by Michael Martyr, and it was uploaded to the TED-Ed channel. And if you want to watch along, please do fire up the tube of you. Uh, The animations are just charming. It's a little over four minutes long, and I'm going to play the whole goddamn thing. Uh, Your mouth will be gaping open in amazement by the end of it, I promise. And just remember, you will be inhaling stuff as you do that. But uh, here we go. I'm going to play this right the fuck now.
1: Meet Dermatophagoides farini. Crawling around on eight legs, this creature has no eyes to appreciate the kaleidoscope of colors around her. She relies on her extraordinary sense of smell to lead her to food and safe places to lay eggs. And she's smaller than a pinhead. Dermatophagoides farinae is a dust mite, less than a tenth the size of an ant. A dust mite's whole world is contained in the dusty film under a bed or in a forgotten corner. This realm is right under our noses, but from our perspective, the tiny specks of brilliant color blend together into a nondescript gray. What are these colorful microscopic particles? What distinguishes the dust in your house from say sand on a beach is that it is a mixture of many different ingredients. It can contain grains of sand, dead skin cells, tiny hairs and threads, animal dander, pollen, man-made pollutants, minerals from outer space, and of course, dust mites. Dust mites eat animal dander, human skin, and some fungi. We shed dead skin cells constantly, and wherever we live, they mix into the household dust. The same goes for our pets. Their dander and hairs enter the mix, as do tiny pieces of thread and cotton fibers from our clothes. These components make every household's dust a unique blend of bits from its particular inhabitants. Household dust also contains substances that blow in from the wider world. Depending on the local geology, finely ground quartz, coal, or volcanic ash might enter the air as atmospheric dust, along with pollen and fungal spores. Industrial activities also contribute cement powder, particles from car tires, and other chemicals to the airborne mix. The combination of these elements can be as unique as a fingerprint. In Spain, where the land is rich in carbonate materials, dust contains 20 times as much calcium as dust in Nigeria, where the geology is quite different. After a particularly violent storm, scientists identified dust from the Sahara Desert thousands of miles away, in London, based on its specific composition. In the future, we may be able to pinpoint the origins of dust samples even more specifically down to a particular neighborhood or even house. Something that may be of great help for forensic specialists. In addition to markers of humans, animals, and landscapes, dust also contains particles from further afield. When a star explodes in a distant galaxy, super hot gases vaporize everything nearby. Then the dust settles. Minerals condense out of the gas, Floating out there between planets and galaxies, this extraterrestrial dust contains tiny pieces of extinguished stars and the building blocks of future celestial bodies. Every year, tens of thousands of tons of cosmic dust lands on Earth and mingles with terrestrial minerals. This blend of chemicals, minerals, and intergalactic particles settles out of the air onto surfaces in our homes mixing with the detritus of each house's occupants. Stars explode, mountains erode, and buildings, plants, and animals are all slowly but surely pulverized into fine gray powder. We're all destined to become dust, but it's also possible that we came from it. Interstellar dust has been found to carry organic compounds through space. It's possible that billions of years ago, some of these cosmic particles were the seed of life on our little blue planet. Have you ever visited Ted Ed's Patreon page?
0: So, I mean, profound, profound, am I right? Bet you weren't expecting that. So between all the star bits and minerals, dog hair and whatnot, there is human skin. And as such, someone had to ask, Just how many people worth of skin do we consume in a lifetime? Well, let's head on over to What If Volume 2 and dive right the fuck in. (laughs) Author Randall Monroe confirms, quote, dust is just a disgusting salad made from whatever happens to be lying around your house. It It can include soil, pollen, cotton fibers, crumbs, powdered sugar, glitter, pet hair, and dander. He goes on and on here, folks. So how much of us is in there exactly? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, Randall notes a study from 1973, which estimates skin cells make up between 0.4 all the way up to 10% of airborne dust. Now, 0.4 to 10%, that's a quite a big gap. And he added this other fun fact. Quote, we spew out dead skin at a ridiculous rate. We shed something like 50 milligrams of cells per hour, but most of that skin doesn't go into the air. If we're pushing 50 milligrams of skin dust into the air every hour, our houses would be as dusty as coal mines or wood shops. Since the air isn't constantly full of dust, it must be going somewhere else. Some of it settles quickly onto the floor, but a lot of it goes down the drain when we wash, rubs off on our clothes, and gets washed away by detergent, or ends up in pillows and mattresses, end quote. So my friends, in sum, it's hard to answer this question, but by golly, we're going to try. And Randall does so by creating a contained hypothetical. Quote, if you built a machine to pump skin dust into a room and you raised the concentration to 10 milligrams per cubic meter, making the air so dusty that it would exceed the occupational dust exposure limits for coal mine workers, you would still only inhale about three kilos or six and a half pounds of skin cells over the average lifetime. End quote. So, uh, I mean, it's not exactly a whole person worth, but holy fuck. In the worst case scenario, it's six and a half pounds. <laughs> so I guess, I guess you can take some solace in knowing you do inhale people, but it's not exactly six and a half pounds. It's just underneath that. I can't give you an exact number, but somewhere less than that. How, but hey, look, on the upside, star, cosmic dust also, you're inhaling. I mean, what a ma- it's magical. This is magical. Dead people and um, dead stars. Just what a world. And uh, that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Thank you for listening, <laughs> rating, subscribing, telling your friends um, about human composting. Tell, tell them all about it. and I'll Tell them about how, much, uh, how many people and how many pounds of skin. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Y- you just heard it. My friends, please. Stay interesting.